And welcome back to episode 46 of Who's on Top. It's season two, episode six. So tells me my Russian machine, he keeps on counting, but who knows the episodes? We just know it's episode 46 if we're speaking chronologically. I'm your host, Ori Benary. This is January 20th. And guess what? It's inauguration day. Woohoo! Uh, we had some pretty, pretty much fun there. Uh, looked at all Joseph R. Biden's speeches. All right, it's uh, Ellis is giving my cue to move on. So speaking of Ellis, we got the Russian machine, Ellis Gordon. What's up, guys? Uh, he has moved in to Rutgers University. Ellis, how's, how's how's college? Is it like you expect it? Are the women fawning over you as expected? No, it's it's pretty chill. The yeah, women are not fawning over you as, as expected. expected. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, in college too, we have Daniel. The bandwagon Bucks fan, Daniel Fox. How's Ithaca? Or you should have done your research. I'm not at Ithaca. I am in Ithaca in a hotel waiting for my test to come back. But as always, nice to see you in Romainu. Finally, at John Hopkins, we have Jeremy Giles, defensive captain with his sexy blue light glasses. I took a page out of his book. And Jeremy, how's it going over there? I've heard they call you the mayor. They do not call me the mayor, but um, it's going well. It's going well. I've been talked to a lot of people, a lot of people I have seen online, but never met in person. So yeah. And finally, next to me, we have the Frisbro, Jacob Kasdan. What's up, guys? Let's uh let's talk some sports. All right, let's talk some sports. It's been a very eventful week with everyone moving into college, except for me and Jacob. We're stuck at home. But hey, that's what sleepovers are for. All right, we have a new segment authored by our very own Daniel Fox. It is not devoid of phallic symbols as the rest of our podcast is. Who's on top of, of course, is a reference to sports teams. And tip off will also be a reference to sports teams. We'd like to make that clear since we've gotten a lot of inappropriate fan mail all directed at Jeremy Giles. Uh, They want to see him naked and so do we. But hey, Daniel, start us off with the tip off. Yeah, welcome to tip off with Daniel Fox. Well, we're all going to be in it, but today it's going to be Daniel, Jacob, and maybe a little Ellis sprinkled in there. We're going to be talking some baseball. So, Ori, you're cue to fall asleep. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of big stuff going on, man. Early last week, there's not much going on. Friday, I think it was Friday, it might have been Thursday, we got DJ LeMayhew re-upping with the New York Yankees for uh, six years, $90 million. Then they go out and they got Corey Kluber, one year, $12 million. A lot, uh, we'll get into it, but a lot it's for a guy who hasn't who hasn't had a productive season since 2017, no, 2018. Um, Monday, we got Joey Lucchesi and Joe Musgrove going to the Padres. Joey Lucchesi going to the Mets. Then we got George Springer. Springer Daners. He's going up north. He's going to Toronto. Michael Brandt, he's going to be sticking in Houston. Thought maybe for a second he was going to Toronto. I reported yes, sir, number three. Uh, yeah, so Jacob, since you are already out here giving us your, uh, your insight, such tremendous insight, uh, what's catching your eye in the uh, baseball world this last week? Yeah, obviously as a Yankee fan, I'm pretty happy with what they did with LeMahieu. Kluber is obviously a toss-up. We don't know what's going to happen there. Um, but yeah, as, as Daniel said, the Padres just keep on building that already one of the best pitching cores in the league and getting, what, Musgrove, right, Fox? Musgrove, yes. Yeah, they got Musgrove, so they're already already a strong rotation. And obviously I'm happy that Brantley did not sign with the Blue Jays. Springer did. He's good. Obviously, don't want to see him 19 times a year, but the good thing they've got no pitching. And uh, yeah, Ellis, what do you think about DJ LeMahieu and Corey Kluber? Yeah, the Yankees? I think these are great moves for the Yankees, moves that like they kind of had to have. And, you know, the contract isn't like great. Uh, yeah, I know Dan might point out flaws in it real quick, but I think you just got to get a player like LeMahieu, regardless of the money, even if it's a back end contract, might look a little overvalued. And Kluber is another buy. They didn't actually buy that low, but a sell high prospect. 
not a prospect, but a player because, you know, he hasn't, as Dan said, he hasn't had two good years of production, but, and with injuries, but I mean, you know what his ceiling is and that ceiling is amazing. These are the moves that were had to have Yankees. I wish if they, I were the Yankees to get another average pitcher on the Blue Jays side, a great, I mean, they're hitting is world-class. They're pitching. I think I, Jacob slightly undersells them short. They've got a couple of Nate Pearson. If he has, he needs to have a better season than last year, but he's a prospect. So the Blue Jays are a team that can contest the Yankees. Um, Padres kind of already covered, but big moves for the Yankees. And another team in the AL East, the Red Sox. What the hell are they doing, Dan? Yeah, we'll get to that. But I want to talk about the, uh, the teams we just talked about, the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Um, look, I thought six years is a lot for teaching LeMahieu, but you're getting him at $15 million a year, which is a steal for the kind of player he is. Well, he's a great hitter, and we'll see how he ages. I think hitting doesn't really – the type of player he is, defensively, I think he's going to fall off, but I think offensively he could still hit deep into his 30s. Um, Corey Kluber, I think that's a lot. $12 million a year, that's a lot to give someone. Yeah, someone who pitched two innings last year, 35 innings the year before that. This is 37 innings for two years, and then you're depending on Lucia Severino, who's barely pitched in two years. So your two and three starters have barely pitched uh, since 2018. And you also have Jordan Montgomery coming back from Tommy John surgery. They just lost Jay Happ to the uh, Twins. I know Jacob doesn't really want to talk about Jay Happ, but I do think they need another starter. I'm I happy think, about that. I hope the Twins make the playoffs. I think the Yankees, they're still under the luxury tax, so I see what they're getting. But this just is another year where I go in with the Yankees rotation, and I'm just like, there are a lot of question marks and a lot of things to go right. Now, the Blue Jays. George Springer, I think that's a great fit. I think you have a lot of young hitters having – the veteran presence either at the top of the order or the middle of the order. I worry about him a little defensively in center, but look, Ellis was right. Nate Pearson is a great pitcher, but he's still maybe a couple years away from being fully polished. You're asking a lot on Hunjin Ryu, who has some injury questions. Uh, Trent Thornton, Ryan Barucki, Robbie Ray is a huge question mark. So there's a lot of question marks with the Blue Jays, but I think they're hitting. This is a playoff caliber team. The AL East is going to be good. Yeah, a lot of yeah. big baseball moves. Things are starting to pick up. I think with the outfielders starting to come off the board, there's going to be more outfielders coming. So a lot of good uh, baseball science. We're going to have a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. Hopefully my Red Sox wake up and start spending some money like they should. But for right now, that was the tip-off. Back to you, Hebro. Thank you, Daniel Fox. And that was the tip-off. As we all know, Daniel only has the best tips for the best tips all right moving on from one great announcer to a next we want jacob kazan to take away the james harden trade james harden trade was huge a lot that happened and a lot actually that happened after the trade with some uh kind of crazy developments with uh some people involved in the trade but i'll let jacob i'll let jacob talk about it yeah so obviously this news kind of shocked the basketball world last week we all knew this trade was coming at some point no one really knew when or to who there were a lot of teams in play for james harden so I'll debrief it real quick. The Nets got James Harden from the Rockets and a 2024 second round pick from the Cavs. They traded Jared Allen, who's a very young, pretty, pretty good center, and Torian Prince and some other people that I'm not even going to bother going into, to the Cavaliers. And they traded Karis LeVert, Rodians Kuruks, three first round picks and four first round pick swaps to the Rockets. And then after that, the Rockets traded Karis LeVert to the Pacers for Victor Oladipo, and there were some other picks in there. But something that's really good for this trade is the fact that Karis LeVert did get traded and the fact that James Harden wanted to get traded so desperately. If, if not for this trade, Karis LeVert never would have found that mass on his kidney, which could potentially be cancerous. And ultimately, this trade could have 
potentially saved Karis Levert's life. Uh, Ellis, what do you think of this trade for the Nets? Yeah, so I want to give my rundown for all four teams. First off, like the Cavs, I know they didn't get that much, but like they got good value for who they gave up, what, a second round pick. And they got they got some good role. Torian Prince is a good role player. So like not a big win, but you got to talk about them. Same thing goes with the Rockets and Pacers. Rockets, all the first round picks. Plus, the, I mean, Oladipo is probably not going to resign for them, but maybe he will. And, and you know, Oladipo is always a great player to have on your team, regardless, as you know, he, he brings the scoring threat that the Cavs kind of are missing without Harden. Um, so he's going to keep the Rockets at least not a bottom seller. So they're not tanking. And then I think this is actually a great move for the Pacers and obviously Karis Levert for what just Jacob said. But more importantly, like Oladipo is not resigning with the Pacers, all indicators look like. And Karis Levert is an up-and-coming star, in my point, at least a very, very serviceable guard. And he's probably going to resign with them. And once, hopefully he recovers fully. That's the hope. And, and, and assuming he does for whatever this is and is back to basketball shape next year or maybe even late this year, this is a great trade for the budding Pacers who already have Malcolm Brodkin and DeMontis Sabonis leading the charge, both having a stellar season. So this is like, this is a very good trade for the Pacers. Now quickly to the net side of things, you know, I think I don't want to give my analysis quite yet. I see a lot of reasons why this will work and not, not work. Mainly reasons why this work real, real quick, this will work real quickly is that, you know, Harden, KD, and Kyrie, those are three top 10 players in the league. That is some nice scoring. Um, why it won't work is defensively not the best. Um, they're rota- they're shoot- they've got a lot of shooting depth, but they don't have a lot of defensive rotations other than DeAndre Jordan. And um, how will three ice football players play? So I actually don't know how much I have to say on this topic because it's a really a wait and see for me in the Nets. I could see this going either way 50-50, but that's my thought. Um. So I guess for me, I like, kind of go down my breakdown really quick. I think I kind of agree with you for the Cavs. I think they gave up very little and got a lot for what they gave up. Again, with the Cavs, I think it still doesn't really change the fact that they're still a pretty bad team. So I'm not going to talk about them too much. For the Nets, I mean, I think it all will depend on this season and the next two seasons, right? Because now all three players, Kyrie, Harden, and... Durant are none of them are very young so it's kind of in a win now mode I think this year might be hard because they just got there but I think if they do not win a championship by the end of next year then I think this was not worth it because they completely sold out their future with that said I actually don't think it's a bad idea I understand the care the character concerns and it's about them going together but in the NBA you get a star player like this like players like Durant for a very short amount of time and while you have them, you have to go for it. It's how you get your championship, right? Like, if you look at the bronze teams, he wins championships, but after he leaves, they fall apart because they went all in for LeBron when he's there, and after that, they fall apart. But would you say they'd rather not fall apart and not have the championships? So I'd say that's kind of me from the Nets. I think the Pacers, I'm honestly not entirely sure. I think I kind of agree with Ellis that – if they were going to lose Olo Depot anyway, at least they got something for it. And the Rockets, I mean, I think the Rockets got what they could. Four first-round picks is a lot, but, I mean, still they lost Harden. And in the NBA, first-round picks aren't the same way in the NFL where they could be stars. First-round picks are often bench players and don't pan out. So first-round picks aren't nearly as good as they sound. Yeah, um, I look, I think you guys said everything about the other three teams, but I'm really going to focus on the Nets here. Jeremy, my concern with the Nets is not about, oh, you're sacrificing all this for one championship. It's that I don't think they're going to win a championship. And to trade Jared Allen, a great center, offensively and defensively, to get James Harden, your third 
guy, your third player who's going to dominate the ball and who needs touches and who needs shots. I just, I always say in any sport, it's about getting the right players. It's not about getting the best players. And I think they have a collection of talent. I, I can't remember the last time I've seen, it. I think it might even be better than the Heat. But I think having three guys who, you know, I think Harden, I don't, I don't, I don't have that many character concerns about Harden. I think I don't personally like Durant, but I don't have character concerns about Durant. I have concerns about James Hart, uh, about Kyrie Irving. I think we all do. And I think just the defense, I think, got a lot weaker, especially interior and the chemistry. I just don't think all those pieces are going to fit together. I think it's like a puzzle where it's just all these pieces are all over the place and they don't quite fit. And I could see them getting bounced like the second round. Like, there's so much talent on this team, but I just – I don't see it. They already lost to the Cavs. I know first game I'm going to give them a pass. But I just don't see it working defensively in chemistry. That's the two main reasons. All right, welcome to a new segment, another new segment. This one is called I'll Take That. It's a Twitter game sponsored by Jacob Kasten. So what I did, I looked through some old tweets and I had to – pick through the garbage and I found some gems and we're going to try and guess the context behind Jacob Kaz and Twitter. We all know there's a lot of craziness, a lot of whining, a lot of, a lot of crying that goes on in Jacob's Twitter. And we're going to see if we can guess what the context was behind the crying. We asked the first question. We're going to open up to everybody. October 23rd, 2020, Jacob asked his followers to do which of the following after a giant walk. A, listen to the new episode of what? B, watch Borat. C, watch the MLB World Series, or D, never forgive Evan Ingram? Um, ding, ding, ding. I believe it is D, That's never easy forgive one. Evan Ingram. Yes. Is it D? Wait, can I go? Can I go? Wait, I have a different yeah. one. Is it B, watch Borat? It is B, watch Borat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I knew it because I actually remember the tweet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Number two. Number two. This one's an easy one. After the Rays beat the Yankees in the ALDS, which of these did Jacob not beat? A, pain. B, why do I do this to myself? C, home point umpire is ready for the ALCS. Or D, Rays were the better team. We'll come back stronger next year. Which one did I, not beat me? D, 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 D. D, D. He beats me in all the first three things like a loser. <laughs> all right, number three. This one's my favorite. Game two, this is not a multiple choice. You have to guess the number. In game two of the ALDS, how many tweets and retweets did Jacob send complaining about home point umpire CB Buckner. This home was so terrible. Can I give? Can I give? I. You know what? I'm gonna guess a good six. Six, my number. Ellis, how 19, many? 19. I'm gonna go fifteen. I'm gonna say twenty. The answer is thirty-seven. Oh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Followed by thirteen the next game, and one more at the very end of game five. This no was way. pathetic. Yo, you got that's fifty tw- over fifty tweets on this one, um. That's look okay, any that's any baseball kind of fan that watched that game. Those umpires were absolutely. <laughs> but thirty-seven, come on. It was worth thirty-seven tweets. Is that is it okay. the whole game? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it was the whole game. Oh, we're doing this again next week. I love this game. <laughs> All right, four. Sometime during the series, Jacob tweeted, "Why is still in the game? Who is he referring to? A. Adam Montavino. B. Jonathan Loiza." Well, this is I got. I said it right the first time. C, J. Happ, or D, Gary Sanchez? J. Happ. Yes, J. Happ. How many weeks did it take Jacob to retweet this? I'm done with all the optimism for the Giants. They're awful. A, one. 
B3, C6, or D14? One. I'm guessing three. I'm guessing three. It was actually three. He kept it, oh, he yeah. kept it together for one. That's a little compliment for you. He kept it together for one week, for two, two weeks. weeks. All right, D, here's the big one. What was the original? Five. A, Aaron Judge going on the DL. B, Saquon tearing his ACL. C, Michael Bousseau's home runoff of Chapman to win the ALCS. Or D, when the Knicks fell in the draft lottery. Ooh, this is hard. Can I go? Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Um, Michael Brousseau. Home I'm going to say Knicks. I'm going to say Knicks. I'm going to go. Ooh. Oh, this is a hard one. I'm yeah. going to go Saquon. I'm going to go Saquon. I'm going to go with Ellis, Michael Brousseau's homer. You're all wrong. It was Aaron Judge going on the DL. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. All right, well. All right, well, that was Jacob's Twitter one. game. Uh, the winner is everybody but Jacob. After that wonderful game by Daniel Daniel Fox, only a mind as brilliant as his could uh, come up with such an amazing game. Um, what can I say? And we get such a special treat when another amazing analyst. Oh, wait, it's still Daniel Fox giving us a special ad. Daniel, let's see it. Today, I'm going to talk about something that is very near and dear to my heart, being right. I'm right a lot, like a lot, but this week was extra special. A couple weeks ago, I made a statement about Drew Brees not being able to keep up with Tom Brady. Everyone laughed at me. But Daniel, said the idiots, Drew Brees played so much better than Tom Brady in the first two matchups. Yes, I said, but I'm an analyst. It's my job to look forward. When I see Drew Brees play and when I see Tom Brady play, it's not comparable. It's like seeing The Rock and Ellis. But look what happened. Tom Brady wasn't great. But Drew Brees was throwing around more noodles than an Italian restaurant. And I knew it would happen. Put me in the Hall of Fame. What an amazing, amazing, amazing ad by Daniel Fox. He's always correct. Always. Especially when he decided to go to the barbershop and get the Eyal uh, haircut. It's wonderful. Hey, I'm going to go to one barber and her name is Jody. He looks like an Israeli commando. Um, it's wonderful. And now, time to go to our Hall of Fame correspondent. Maybe Daniel will get in this week. Ellis Gordon, the Russian machine, tell us who's getting in. Yeah, so our newest entry into the Hall of Fame, drumroll please, is actually a sport we do not talk enough about in my opinion, but I hope we do in the future. And it is down to the UFC, Dana White's UFC and our Hall of Fame. This week is Max Holloway for his insane performance on Calvin Qatar. You know, Max Holloway, he was coming off two losses, the Hawaiian King, a really good lightweight and featherweight title, but this is not what made the Hall of Fame. Against Calvin Qatar, an up-and-coming prospect, he landed 457 significant strikes. That is 200 more significant strikes than the record, previously held by him at 253. So this man got hit with clean punches 457 times. So Calvin Qatar should be on our Hall of Fame too for standing up for five rounds and not going down after getting hit 457 times. But that's not even still wise in the Hall of Fame, even though he won after five rounds on a on the biggest decision victory in UFC has tied for UFC history. He's in the Hall of Fame for what he did round five minute left. Max Holloway is known for his last minute shenanigans. One time he just swung like a commando pilot with Dustin Poirier in the last minute. Other times he started dancing, but this topped them all. He pointed to the commentary team, knowing the win in his hand said, I'm the best boxer in the UFC. Punched Calvin Qatar directly in the face without looking. Then without looking, dodged Four straight punches from him, a jab, a cross, two hooks, pulled around, punched him again, yelled again on the best boxing you see, two slaps to the chest, then says the freshman came to play today, influencing Calvin Qatar, calling him a freshman in their pre-fight trash talk. The most Muhammad Ali-esque, the most sick combos ever. I, I, I cannot believe, you guys got to check this video out on ESPN, or whatever. It's probably, you've already probably seen it, it's trending, but I mean, I have never seen such agility 
for that awesome display of straight sexiness. He's going in our Hall of Fame. Ellis, that hit was only one of so many that you've produced. I think you've had almost as many hits as Max Holloway um, striking up boxing. Only unfortunately is I, I remember the, the first time I boxed you in a ring, Ellis. You know what happened? Um, it was it was a little bit of boom. I landed more strike action. I think Ellis was the experienced. He's been kickboxing uh, for years now. And then you know what I do? I come up to him and just shove him out of the ring. He falls. Who landed more strikes? Because I think it was me, even though you fell out, you you pushed me out of the ring. So my strike literally pushed you right out of the ring. It was Maybe. quite comical. Now we have actually a quick uh, special guest coming on pretty soon, so stay tuned. And after that great segment, let's move on to our special guest, Mason Moriel. He has got a, got a little breakdown for the Saints for us. What happened there, Mason? So what went wrong? Watching the game, uh, I think the whole game went south, which Jared Cook had that fumble, I'm pretty sure, late in the third quarter, early, mid, sometime like that. But after that, I mean, the offense just couldn't get any momentum going. Like, we were stagnant, and Tom Brady just went off. Credit yeah. to him. It was terrible to watch. Yeah, I know. It really was. It was hard. Our offense just, like, it just went bleak. I mean, obviously, we didn't have Taysom Hill, Latavius Murray, and Deontay Harris had an injury, neck injury. But that really, like, stalled our offense. Michael Thomas was getting clamped. Like, mm. we had nothing to do. Like, it just, it's just we couldn't get anything started. They were stopping the run pretty well and our defense was just letting them fly it it just didn't show like I didn't see any of like the good defense I saw in the two previous games and it was just it was just sad to watch especially for Breeze's like last game like just to see the team like even Breeze kind of he was airmailing passes throwing balls in the dirt like he usually does I honestly think yeah this truly showed we need to move on though so I'm kind of happy, you know, we kind of realize it. Breeze just wasn't the answer for the past couple of years. Even with all the crazy that happened, you know, between uh, the miracle in, the, in uh, Minnesota and, you know, the pass interference call. It was just, it's just hard, to, hard to be a Saints fan right now. What do you think, so, of, what do you think of Janus? Uh, no. No, Simply, no. You get that amazing, amazing. I mean, I think I, I don't think he would be bad in the Sean Payton offense. I mean, he could. I think Payton could really open up the playbook. I'm like, what he could do with Breeze because Jameis obviously he has a better arm than Breeze. But I, I really think we. I think, in my honest opinion, we should go all out for Deshaun Watson. I mean, I think we're a little under the radar for him, <laughs> but. You know, I see the Jets trying to target him and a bunch of other teams, but I think we should seriously consider making a move for him. All right, Mason, let me ask you this, because you talked about making moves, but I want to remind you that you're oh, 90... Don't no, no, go to the salary cap. I'm going to the salary cap. And here are your free agents. You got Jared Cook, Sheldon Rankin, Marcus go. Williams, Trey Hendrickson, Jameis is a free agent, Alex Alzone is a free agent. You're losing everybody. You're going to have to cut probably Janoris Jenkins, Quan yeah. Alexander. Is but, it time... I want to, Mason, you know, I respect you as an analyst, but I want you to put your bias aside and I want you to answer me one question. Are the, should the Saints just blow it up? Is it time to just start? I I really do think the Saints should blow it up, but I honestly think in my honest opinion that we could still be competitive even while blowing it up. Cause I think we have one of the best coaches in the league. We still have some good key defensive pieces who are young Obviously, we have Marcus Lattimore still locked up. 
I mean, we have Camp Jordan, and I think we definitely need to go all in on Trey Hendrickson. He was phenomenal this year. But, uh, yeah, we do have – I mean, you have to understand, we still, we still do have, like, some of the best skill in the league. Like, what it, with any, like, you know, I think an average quarterback could make it to the playoffs with the type of talent we have. So And they're really know. not losing anyone on offense except no. Jared Cook. No, offensive line's intact. I mean, you know. We obviously have two of the best tackles in the game, uh, Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek. But, you know, we'll see what we can do. But I do think we need to cut some of the older guys. We just need to let Malcolm Jenkins go, Jack Rabbit Jenkins go. We need to let all these guys go just so we can free up some space and get, you know, some guys. I think we figured out the draft, though, even with low picks. Hey, you guys are good drafters. Yeah, we are. We're really good drafters, but – I think it is time to let some of the older guys go. I think even – I'm even thinking about a trade with Cam Jordan maybe. We might mm. be able to trade him to a contender, maybe get some good draft capital. Mason, mm. what do you think of the rumors that Drew Brees is starting a noodle shop chain after he retires? <laughs> I, I, I started those rumors. I think it's – I really, if Drew Brees does that, oh, my gosh. I, I just I, want to remind – I just want to remind the people. a little bit of respect for him. Just based off of how he, you know, how he went about the last couple of seasons, you know, I just, I, I don't know about that noodle shop. I, really I just want to remind our viewers that me and Mason were watching game one, Bucks Saints together. Oh. It was all Brady's washed, Gronk's washed. Hey, what about but, game two? <laughs> but, but look at us now. Look where we are now. This is, First this, of all, this is great... all I got to say is that. You guys did make some good, good uh, additions this, like during um, the season. Like you guys got Antonio Brown. You guys just got better. I think we just stayed the same. And I had, a, I just had a feeling that come playoff time, something would go wrong. And obviously, I think, I honestly think if we have Taysom Hill that game, I think we're a little bit too versatile for you guys to like, you know, read us on defense because like we were simply doing the same thing every play, like check downs you weren't really trying to get the vertical passing game going it's kind of hard to do also yeah also what hurt breeze is usually relies on michael thomas to catch for seven yards and run for another 10 and when he's mad injured and getting clamped up by a crap corner then drew Brees lost all corner. passing game. daniel daniel was trying to gas that corner david such an what? I, said he did a, I said a good job i said he did a good job yeah against a player with like half a leg congrats oh, oh, you, how many times have i how many times have i how many times have i on Carlton Davis. No, I know he, he did a good job for. I just don't think it was. Remember that the Chiefs game? I know. I, yeah, went, I yeah. wanted him. I wanted him taken right. out to the dumpster. So you know, Carlton yeah. Davis was like one of the top-rated corners this year, right? Really? Was he? he? That's awesome. Twitter. He shut down like the top receivers except Tyreek Hill. Are you sure he shut down? Are you, are you sure he just shut down the shit receivers? That, and the top receivers? Nope, I'm 100 sure. I saw it on Twitter like two days ago. On to the Browns. Shout out to um, Factory of Sadness, our sister spawn-off podcast uh, they, with Cleveland. We have two friends from William and Mary. Josh came on the show, and they've started their own podcast. So shout out, shout out to them. Go check it out. Um, and we finally have Ellis with the Browns. The Browns are actually kind of reversed that Factory of Sadness with their game against the Chiefs. You know, they fought hard. They showed real character. And I think the Browns are finally in a good spot. I don't love Baker Mayfield. I made that clear. But I think under Stefanski and their current scheme, their offense is fine. This is a highly rated offensive line. Great running backs. Baker, what 
Baker, with his current play, can do exactly what he's told, and that is fine. So I'm not focusing on the offense. They really need minimal improvements on the offense, especially with Odell coming back. Where really lies here is the defense. They need another pass rusher to complement with Miles Garrett, another star pass rusher, because right now they're just double and triple teaming Miles Garrett, and nothing's happening. And more importantly, they need um, quarterbacks and pass coverage. You know, um, Denzel Ward is amazing, but the rest of this unit is, one, ravaged by injuries, so that's going to help next year when they come back. But also, they just they just need more. Grant Delpit, if hopefully he makes an impact, but we don't know yet. He's a rookie with it, coming off an ACL tear, so you never know with that. And Denzel Ward, and that's really it. They got burnt. So their deep, especially their pass defense, has been very low impact. They need to get one more rusher and another, let's say, mid-tier good cornerback and maybe a safety, and they will be fine. I think they'll be back contending and maybe can take the division next year, maybe. No, I agree with that. I think the one thing about the Browns that's the to me is the biggest key is they after all these years got the coach right, right? Kevin Stefanski has come in, immediately changed the culture, made it a culture where he could leave, and yet they still are able to not only beat the Steelers but blow out the Steelers. I think once you get the coach right, that kind of makes everything easier, right? Because it makes you able to hide some of your weaknesses. Like the defense wasn't great, but it certainly was serviceable. It makes Baker much more mature. So I just kind of think. As long as they can Stefanski stays a, as a good coach, they'll be able to generally fix their problems. Yeah, I mean, Ellis, you know, Ellis and Jeremy have hit the nail on the head here that, you know, they're moving in the right direction. They, they got the coach. They got the quarterback. Their defense was pretty middle of the pack. I mean, 22nd in passing defense, 21st in points allowed. And think about who I they're going to be going say, up against, the Bills. I will say they had two, two of their starting corners were out during both of these games. So I think when they get, I mean, they back, have some good players on defense. It's not like they're, mm-hmm. it's not like they're starting from scratch here. They got Denzel Ward. They got miles Garrett, but they're going to be going up against the bills and the chiefs, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes for 10 years. They need to get a good defense. They need to start mm-hmm. building enough But the offense, especially the offensive line. They're there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think definitely go secondary in the draft, in my opinion. All right. Uh, after, Discussing the mistake by the lake, that's uh, Cleveland for all you uh, sports fans. Let's move on to the Rams. What happened here, Jeremy Giles? Well, let me put it like this. Today was Percy's birthday. And you know what? I'm really – Happy birthday, Percy. Mason, that's his dog. That's that's his dog. That's his dog. That's my dog. And you know what? We got Percy for his birthday. A nice steak. And just like Percy ate that steak, the Green Bay Packers – Ate the Rams defense. Indeed. I'm sorry. I just had to bring in Percy. It's his birthday. And you know, the Rams. There's like 25 better opportunities. Look, I'm just saying the Rams lost to the Jets and you can see it because their defense. So essentially on an actual note, the offense, to be honest, didn't play bad. Like it, it wasn't like a superstar offense, but there wasn't really any turnovers. They ran the ball fairly well. Jared Goff played fairly well for having half a finger missing, but it's just the defense. They gave up five straight drives that all scored points. And while the Rams offense didn't play bad, the Rams don't have nearly the high powered offense that is needed to have a shootout, right? Especially in the condition that Jared Goff is in. But if you look at the game, it just wasn't really anything the defense did, right? The Aaron Rodgers, through no through two touchdowns and no interceptions through I believe around a 66% completion percentage for rushing they have like I believe over 180 yards 
there's just nothing that really the Rams could do. Like, they just got brutalized. And, like, they didn't even play that badly. They just got outmatched. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a tough matchup. Green Bay Packers probably the best team in the league. But, I mean, you have a lot of good players on this team, so you got to ask yourself, what's the problem here? I mean, you got the defense, you got the secondary, you got the pass rush, you got the receivers. So what what's the problem here? That's really what I got to ask. I think overall, you're right. In this game, it really was the defense. The defense couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers. Like, Jared Goff actually played pretty decent this game. All right. Happy birthday to Percy from Who's on Top. Uh, we're all happy yes, and hope, hello. hope that you're still eating your kangaroo meat, as you always do. Let's move on, finally, to Jacob with the Ravens. I'm sure he's very happy to rip into Lamar Jackson here. What's going on? Yeah, I've been waiting a while to on Lamar Jackson. Hey, that's reserved for Odell Beckham. That's what people do to Odell Beckham. Yeah, I know. So first, I'll do the good for the Ravens. Obviously, they had a good good rushing game, as they always do. They had 150 rush yards in this game combined, not as much as usual. Wow. Down by 56 yards. That's crazy. From, from their average. Shut up. Mm. And um, I'm just going to put it out there. Lamar Jackson, If he obviously he had a good regular season. The record was good. He is not a good passer. Mm-mm. He is overrated. Uh-huh. 14 for 24. What? 160 yards. Mama. More touchdowns to the Bills than his team. But, uh, yeah, obviously we all know the pick six was super costly. And uh, this game, from, from the beginning, it did not look good for the Ravens. With Justin Tucker, they're one of their most reliable players and one of the best kickers in the league. Fun fact, did you know Justin Tucker does opera? I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he missed two, two early field goals. He's not singing that day. He, he missed two early field goals into, this, into the first half. And I think, obviously, you, you wouldn't expect field goals to set the tone for a game. But I really think they did. In regards of what they need to improve on, uh, they need receivers. Marquise Hollywood Brown's decent. Mark Andrews had a really hot start to the season. He slowed down a lot. But uh, they need to draft receivers or find someone in free agency. Yeah, because you have Marquise Hollywood, who's the deep threat. And then, you know, you got the possession tight end, but then you don't have the number one receiver there. Yeah, they don't have that. Another thing that I think that was really bad at the season, their, their defensive line was like their forte this year throughout like throughout the first 16 weeks and into the first round of the playoffs. And uh, they only had three quarterback knockdowns total, two sacks from Josh Allen and one knockdown. And if you're giving a quarterback like Josh Allen all that time, he's going to tear you apart like he did. Blade runner. Yeah, in the end, Lamar Jackson is overrated, and that's all I have to say. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair point. Um, Daniel, do you have anything to say about this? Yeah. I'm not as low as Lamar Jackson as Jacob is. But I do think when you have the 32nd ranked passing attack, you got to look at the quarterback. I feel like that's a fair assessment to make. Um, I really like this defense. I think they, uh, you know, they, we saw what they did to Derrick Henry. I think they got a lot of good players. Uh, you know, Ngakwe is a free agent. Uh, but that's really it. Uh, Matt Judon is a free agent too. But they got a great secondary with Humphrey and Peters. Uh, Patrick Queen is a good middle linebacker. He's a good anchor. And, of course, Derek Wolf and Calais Campbell. What, you're going to say LSU guy, Mason? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, but we'll see. I mean, you got the Browns are going to be good. Steelers are going to be – I mean, the AFC North is going to be good. Joe Burrow coming. The AFC North is going to be good for a long time. So one thing I will say about the Ravens is I really do not think you can blame Lamar for a lot of what they do. First of all, they scheme around him to the point where he's very limited in the passing routes and, like, you know, the things he can do with the ball passing. You see a lot of short check downs, a lot of – play action bootlegs from him. I think that has a lot to do with just the type of player he is. I don't think you blame him as much 
but more the scheme. I know their offensive coordinator, like he runs a lot of, you know, read option and stuff like that. But that's honestly only because Lamar is the type of player he is. Like he's a runner. So are you going to play to his strengths? Or are you going to play to, you know, his weakness, which is passing the ball? And I think he does just a fine job of running the ball and passing. All right. Thanks, Mason. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for the takes. It was a uh, pleasure. Sorry about the same. Hopefully the Yankees win something. And yeah. see you later. See you later. Love Amazing. you guys. Thank you for having me on. It's great to see you. Of course. Of course. Of course. If you have any fun again, I'm here. All right. See y'all. See ya. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Mason. Next, we have a thing called Ellis's Game. It's inspired based on Molly's Game, the great award-winning TV series that pits poker players against each other. Yes, Ellis's game is all about poker, right, Ellis? No, it's actually about statistics, though, and it's a guessing game. So I'm going to give you two – here's how it's going to work. I'm going to give you guys two statistics or statistical facts, and you have to guess the players or player. One of them is a player, then you have to guess two players. All right. So oh, we're first, all guessing. Okay. First statistic, guess, guess the player. With a win against the Packers, Tom Brady will tie blank – for the most road playoff wins in NFL history. Can anyone guess it? Everyone gets one guess, take about 10 seconds to think about it and guess it. Most road playoff games? In NFL, wins in NFL history. Road. Now, now, keep in mind, Tom Brady doesn't I assume you among players, not including coaches. Yeah, yeah, players. This is a player. This is a quarterback. This is a quarterback. Is he, uh, is, is he recent? Today? Recent? I'll give you a clue. He, he does play in the NFL today, but he's a backup. Oh. Oh, well, I was thinking Ben Roethlisberger. Do you want one more clue? Give us one more. Yeah. He plays in the AFC, and that's my last little clue. And you guys, well, he doesn't, he didn't, no. And sorry, let me actually clarify that. He, the team he played for where he got these wins was in the AFC. <laughs> oh. Oh, I, I have the answer. What? Joe Flacco. Yes, sir. <laughs> Joe Flacco holds the all-time, nice job, Fox. Most road playoff wins in NFL history. He wins this. All right. I'm going to give you now two statistical comparisons of two QBs. They could be – they both played in the 2000s and up. One – I'm not telling you more than that unless you ask for a clue. And this is their first three years in the league passing. All right? QB won. 47 games. And this is three years, first three years in the league. 61.9% completion percentage. 10,227 yards. Don't say it, by the way, until you hear the second one. 69 touchdowns. 4.5% touchdown percentage, 38 interceptions, and then yards gained per pass attempt was 6.6. All right, we'll go with that. So uh, the wins was, sorry, their wins was 34 and 12. This team's wins was 34 and 12, and their QBR, um, I'm, I'm, I don't know where the QBR is, so we'll cut that out for now. If I find it, I'll find it. Um, QBR, um, 80, is, his rating was an 86. All right, that's quarterback one. Quarterback two, ready? 46 games. Record 30 and 7. Completion percentage 64%. Yards 7,000 of the 3,000 last. 68 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. So relatively comparable. Less touchdowns, less interceptions by a lot, less touchdowns. The touchdown interception ratio is 68 to 18. Now his yards per attempt is 7.5. Obviously, that's not the greatest stat. And 
yards per game was 154 compared to 217. 217 QB1, 154 for QB2. And lastly, his QBR, uh, sorry, his rating is 102.6. Can you guess the QBs? Do you oh, Ellis, are, Ellis. are either of them still playing okay. now? Well, I know number one is Both are still playing. Both are still playing now. Good I job. Mean, number one, one is Tom Brady. Brady. Lamar Jackson. One of these Lamar Jackson. Is one Brady. is Tom Brady. The Tom second Brady. one is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. So relatively comparable numbers for the first two, three. Obviously very different contexts. I don't want to go into a debate about this, but food for thought for the listeners and everyone here. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is going to be a better thrower than Tom Brady. Don't misunderstand my words, but it's just food for thought. And I think we can- You don't acknowledge that the different eras where they play with where Tom Brady was better in his- I agree. There's different eras. But when saying Tom, there's different eras, there's different contexts. For example, Lamar Jackson opens things up with his running game. Once you take that away, his passing yards probably go much down. There's definitely lots of debate here. But I am saying when you say Lamar Jackson is a trash passer in his first three years in the league, that's the stats. That's what the stats say. Stats can be misleading. All right. So after that wonderful game by Ellis Gordon, our uh, mathematical correspondent, because, you know, he's a math major. Not... We have some interesting predictions for you this week. Let's start off with a little, little football game. But wait, it's not football. It's football. Tottenham at Liverpool. Hey, Ellis, who's on top of the league now? This is kind of interesting. United. Uh-uh. Man yep, City. yep, they won today. United. Look, look at the table. Ten bucks, ten bucks, ten bucks. All right. Well, we're a game behind, and you're up by two points. Yep, so that's true. You have a game in hand. If we win, we'll be on top. True. Um, but it's a close race. I, I offer you the best courtesy right now, but it's a close game between you, us, and Leicester City, but mainly you and us. Uh, so it should be a very interesting one to watch. Liverpool, Tottenham, still trying to claw in it. Uh, Ellis, what do you think? A lot of Yeah, draw. so this is last – so, yeah, last time they played, Liverpool won 2-1. Now they haven't scored in three straight games, so it's, they've really struggled on the offensive side. That said, and 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 we know Tottenham they scored. They have the best scoring duo in the league. That said, I think they right the ship. I think this team overall is better, especially with Joel Matip coming back. And I'm going Liverpool two one again. Actually three two. We'll go with that relatively high scoring yeah. if Liverpool. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean with Matty coming back, I mean that just changes everything. I think the way they're going to attack the defense is going to be completely different. I'm going to go Liverpool and just uh, it's going to be just offensive fine about. I got two one the final. So expert analysis from our expert soccer player, Daniel Fox. Jeremy, go ahead. Um, I want to go to a pool, Liverpool. Thanks, Jeremy. For um, that. Ellis, is Harry Kane playing or no? Of course. So uh, since Harry Kane is not injured at all, I'm still going to take Liverpool <laughs> because the the defender that Ellis did, Joel Matip, who I do know, I have him on my FIFA Ultimate Team in 2018. He's pretty dirty. And uh, I'm taking Liverpool. Thanks, Jacob, for uh, – some great analysis. Nuggets at Suns. Nuggets hot, coming off some great wins. Actually, I think they did not play tonight, but they might play another night, and that's Sunday night. Uh, Suns are currently up on the Rockets, 95 to 84 in the fourth quarter. Who are we taking here? Ellis Gordon. Yeah, the Sun. The Suns team is very dirty, uh, especially with Chris Paul at the helm. Nuggets haven't gone off to the best start. Uh, Suns. Daniel. Uh, give me uh, give me Denver. I just think it's time for them to wake up, uh, and I just think Jokic, Murray, uh, gruesome twosome. Also, what Jamal Murray's wife would say. Moving on to Jeremy Giles. It's time for the Nuggets to wake up. It's time for me to wake up. I'm not picking the Nuggets. I'm picking the Suns. I think they're hot, and I think they have a better roster. 
Wow, he sounds exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to Jacob Kazin. Who are you taking? Yeah, this is a really tricky one for me because I do- Oh, oh, heard that? It's tricky. Like everything else with Jacob, like it's a little tricky. It's either tricky or we chilling. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, no, this is this is truly a hard matchup for me to pick because yes, both, both teams are are very talented, but very the, the talented. Nuggets the Nuggets are struggling right now. What? And uh, Jamal Murray has not been himself. Oh, Gar- no. Gary Harris has not been himself. Jokic has been the best player in the league. Indeed. But uh, yeah, Ellis said the Suns have the hot hand, so I'm gonna, uh-huh. I'm gonna take the Suns. Suns, it is Suns hot hand. I see what you did there. Let's move on to Lakers at Bucks. Jacob, you can start us off because you're so wonderful. Oh, thanks, Judy. Ah. Uh, I'm gonna take the Lakers in this one. You got the the goat, LeBron James. So uh, even though the Bucks, obviously we all know Giannis has been great and uh, Brooke Lopez has been good. They've been play- playing some pretty good high scoring basketball. I think the Lakers are just too good right at this point in the season, and I'm taking the Lakers. Speaking of the GOAT, let's move on to Daniel. Yeah, I think the only way um, the Bucks win this game is if LeBron doesn't let his players, his teammates, get on the court and just decides to play by himself, which is possible. I don't even know if he knows his teammates, but I'm going to pick the Lakers. Let's move on to our Russian machine. I think uh, Anthony Davis can neutralize Giannis, and then LeBron just comes in as LeBron does. I just like the Lakers here. Um, LeBron's going to steamroll people, but I just think the Lakers are a more complete team. I mean, obviously, Giannis and the Bucks are very good and have a legit chance to win, but I'm not picking against Anthony Davis and the Lakers, and Anthony Davis is on my fantasy basketball team, so uh, we're going to just slay. All right, a great matchup, an old rivalry, the Celtics and the Sixers. Yeah, um, so 76ers won today behind a Joel Embiid performance. He's the key for the 76ers to win again. I think the Celtics have better luck against him next time and win. Uh, very nice. Jeremy? Um, I think Boston's just a much more complete team, and I'm going Boston. Much more complete team. They have all their players. Very, very solid analysis from Jeremy. They did lose to the Knicks, though, and it was like, huh, losers. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about the one basketball team I actually know. Um, look, I think the Celtics are really struggling this past week. They got destroyed by the Knicks. They lost tonight. Getting Kemba back. Jason Tatum's still out. I just think it's not working right now, and I got the Sixers winning at home on Friday. Jacob. Yeah, my Knicks did beat the Celtics by 30 points to speak of. But uh, I'm going to go with Dan on this one. I'm going to take the Sixers. Jason Tatum is 50-50 to play on Friday. He's been out for two weeks because of COVID. So even if he does return, he's going to be on a minutes restriction. And uh, obviously, Ellis said Embiid, completely dominant, taking the Sixers. All right, let's move on to – oh, I have a little assistant here. For Bucks and Packers. On the divisional round, who are we taking? All right, um – well, so Dan made a good point last week. He said, you know, in the playoffs, it sometimes comes down to quarterbacks and the better quarterback comes through. And Tom Brady's been very good this season, but you know, has been by far better than him. Aaron Rodgers, MVP of the league, takes it over barely the top five QB in this league. So I think the quarterback was also just in general. I like this Packers defense better than this Bucks defense. I think Zadarius Smith can put pressure. I mean, the key to Brady is pressure. I've been saying this along teams have saints did it and yeah yeah well well they haven't been redskins not pushed enough pressure um, yeah how that work out saints did and not and the brady, redskins the football teams we sorry in the first half brady is in that first half yeah. absolute yeah. and and that's the formula they just need to do for two halves couldn't do it especially with breeze giving them no time that said aaron Rodgers is going to actually give him time and Carlton Davis is not guarding Devontae Adams this just seems like a better team in my pen in pretty much every facet of the division maybe not actually even receivers they're rather Devontae Adams in the Buccaneers core so honestly I don't see a position in the box that is better and so thus I'm taking the Packers 
I can go next. I'm sure that Dan's gonna have a lot to say about a lot to say about his Bucks. Um, I think I'm very much aligned with Ellis. I definitely think the Bucks could win. I mean, obviously they won by a lot earlier, but I do think the Packers are a more complete team until they melted down last time they played. I remember they were like keeping them stride and stride, and I. I don't know. I'm not comfortable picking against the Packers in a much more consistent team. I understand Brady in the playoffs and the Bucks have had a good past two games. But if Breeze was an if if they put Jameis out there, the Saints most likely are winning that game. Well, maybe if Chris Godwin catches that touchdown, and things are different. That was a hard catch, Dan. That's not a drop. Oh, you gotta catch that. Yeah, man. There's, there's what do you mean? That, that first off, maybe if Tom Brady put hit him in the bucket, that you know that he could make that throw better. Bro, no, that would have been knocked down if he didn't make it. No. Right here instead of. Oh, Aikman literally said that's the perfect throw. No, it's not. It's just not. Yeah, right, whatever. Godwin's got to catch that anyway. It's not. That's a hard catch to make. You can't say that. It's not a drop. That's okay. not a drop. It's time to move on to my brother in arms, Jacob Kazin. Taking the Packers. Go Pack Go. Obviously, I chose Brady last week in the Bucks because I, I didn't think they would win. But I honestly, I think it's going to be a close game to start. But I think in the end, Devontae Adams, no one's going to be able to guard Devontae Adams. Obviously, they, they, they did a pretty decent job on Michael Thomas last week. But Devontae Adams is miles better than Michael Thomas. Uh, go Pack Go. All right. After some great analysis by Jacob, it's time for Detective Bernard to put on his glasses here. Glasses. His glasses here. It seems like uh, there's been some sort of white-collared crime here. You know who it is? Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, baby. Let's move on to Daniel Fox. Yeah. Um. The reason. The reason. I, I'm not going to pick. I'm not really going to talk about the quarterbacks when I talk about previewing this game. I think they're kind of going to cancel each other out. The game is going to be won at the line of scrimmage. And what you know what isn't brought up is two words: Vita Vea. Vita Vea is coming back. One of the best interior defenders and in the run stuffers in the league. Put him next to Sue. They're going to win on the defensive side against this Packers offensive line, which is good, but not as good now that Bakhtiari is out. And offensively, who wants to hit Leonard Fournette in the snow? I know I don't. Ellis would be crying if he saw Leonard Fournette coming. I know. Ellis is going to talk about McNugget, but this dude's running hard. He's running hard. The Bucs line is playing great. Um, I'm worried about the Bucs a little bit on vertical routes. Uh, Devin White, if he has to go against Robert Tanyan, I'm worried a, bit, a little bit about that. The Packers are the best vertical throw, threat in the league. Um, but look, I just think that the Bucks they played their best defensive game of the year last year, uh, last week. And you want to talk about peaking at the right time. This is the exact definition of peaking at the right time. They're going to go in. It's going to be a good game, cold, snowy. I trust Tom Brady to make the big play more than Aaron Rodgers. Go, Alice. Okay, we're just talking about peaking at the right time. The Bucs are totally peaking. But so are the Packers. Don't discount it out. And, you know, I called Dan a bandwagon fan this whole time, but he just shed it. When you're defending Leonard Fournette after he posted one good game in three years, you know you're a true fan. Because Leonard Fournette, otherwise known as McNugget McPhee, is going to do absolutely nothing against this Packers McNugget defense. has been running so hard recently. For one game, one game. Nobody, no, he played well against the football team. Fine, no, he's been fine. playing well the last couple, no, the last please, four or five weeks. He's get been playing out of here. So well. Let, when you're defending Leonard Fournette, you know you're a true fan of your team. playing good against two great run defense. Nobody wants to hit that McNugget. Yeah, let's talk about Aaron Jones. Let's talk about, I'd rather have, I'd ra- I rather, I rather have, with Vita Vey and Adamic and Sue. I'd rather, have, win both lines I'd rather have Aaron Dillon, not Aaron Dillon, AJ Dillon, Dan Leonard Fournette. That's how my Okay, but I'd rather, it's also about the defenses they're facing. 
facing with Nagami can see. Yeah, well, let's talk about Darius Smith, who's better than anyone on your defense. That's one guy. That's one yeah, guy. Well, and he's an edge all right, all right. No, no, no. Also, to say the Packers QBs are I mean, actually, I guess Rogers plays a bad game, which but but like as of now, Rogers is playing world ahead of any QB. But and that's all I want to say. Go on. Uh, but who's been the best since week 14? Tom Brady. Rogers. All right. All no, right. Tom Brady. All right. After some great analysis that is definitely not biased or objective um on the Bucks and Packers, it's mm-hmm. time to move on. And hey, my assistant here has a little thing to say. It's the Blade Runner. Hey, let's see it. <laughs> Ellis Gordon, as you're hyped up, let's see. Baby, it's the Blade Runner. The assistant, or always technological device, said, and you know, this is a pure heart pick. The Chiefs are a better team, but Mahomes is going to be walking around concussed days. It's going to throw it to Javis White, the means Tyree Kill. It's going to be over, but act- no, it actually, though, talk about hot streaks. This Bills team would have a 13-game winning streak if not for that Hale Murray by DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, and this Chiefs team, they looked very good against the uh, Browns. Andy Reid's got balls of steel, but they didn't look amazing. Nothing. And this Bills team against the Ravens team showed their defense can play. You know, this is a hard pick. Uh, the Chiefs, I do think, are the better team. But just the way they're playing, they have something to them. There's something to these Bills, and that's why I'm picking them. Let's throw it up to Daniel Fox. Well, I mean, how can I follow that? Look, if Patrick Mahomes plays, which I think he was, he was. He looked pretty good in practice today. Still needs to clear some protocols. But if he plays, I don't see this Chiefs offense being stopped. The Bills offense kind of sputtered last week. I know the wind. I know some other factors. But I just, you know, Josh Allen's great, and he's going to be great for many years. But can he go pound for pound with Patrick Mahomes? I think as of this moment, no. All right. Wonderful. Um, finally, getting back to our last analyst. Actually, second to last analyst with the sleepy Jeremy Giles. I'm going to take the Chiefs here. The Bills definitely can win. And obviously, I do think it would depend on Mahomes. But assuming Mahomes plays, I'm definitely going to go with Mahomes just because of the playoff experience. Finally, uh, we have our final analyst who will make this happen. He's currently in the lead, I believe. This is another tricky game. Tricky, tricky. Nice and, nice and tricky. Obviously, Mahomes is still in the concussion protocol. And it, it, he is most likely going to play this weekend on yeah, Sunday. What a toughie. But uh, I'm taking Buffalo. Um, I'm going to go with Ellis here. We're on, we're on the Blade Runner high train right now. I think the Bills defense is really just going to power them. Tredavious White is going to do a pretty decent job slowing down um, Tyreek Hill. And Tremaine Edmonds is going to have, have, have his hands full with Travis Kelsey. But he should do a good job because he's been one of the best coverage guys this year. Uh, go Bills. Go Bills. And speaking of Go Bills, we'd like to send a little shout out to, you know, all you auditors and accountants up there. Go Bills. Go Bill. Go Bill some Bills. Ellis is looking at me like my terrible dad puns have not been bad enough. Ellis, I believe that uh, this is your little uh, little segment, your little brainchild. It's up to you, buddy. This submission for Wacky Sport of the Week comes from actually Chicken Pastor, and it is called Corf Ball, and it's a big one in Netherlands. And so, of course, ball is a ball similar to netball and basketball, but the net is just a stick and a hoop, no backboard at all. It's just a little hoop of crate. It's like made of crate-like material. And it's played by two teams of eight players and with four female players and four male players in each team. And the objective is to throw that ball into the net. It's basketball. That was mounted at 3.5 meter high pole, 11.5 feet. Um, the sport was invented by Dutch school teacher Nico Brokhuizen in 1902, and it's actually pretty popular in Netherlands. There are 500 clubs and 90,000 people playing court ball, so this ain't one of those little niche sports. It's a pretty popular Netherlands sport, and it's also it's also expanded to Belgium and Taiwan. That is pretty cool. It's it's, it's expanding. 
put some stock in it. It's going up. The stock's going up. And yeah, it's a kind of wacky sport. You can't shoot it in the little ring. So there's no like dunks. You got to shoot it like 20, 10 yards out and pass it around. And so it's very interesting to watch if you watch. It's all over, over Instagram. So it's definitely going in popularity. And yeah, that is our wacky sport of the week. That is court ball. Now it's time to wrap up episode 46 of this podcast it was a great podcast thank you for listening as always remember to listen on all platforms try notifications always get on new episodes as well as listening on spotify apple music google Podcasts, deezer buzzsprout wherever you get your podcasts not some backwater like podcast sites i don't know what those are but you know normal sites listen to like a normal human being you can do that and remember to subscribe to us and like and do all that stuff instagram twitter both walk.podcast that's w-o-t.p-o-d-c-a-s-t capital w for twitter all lowercase for instagram because we're different like that dan with his takes that he kind of just stopped taking but it's okay one day he'll come back to the scene and in instagram you get all those nice photo edits face shops letting you know when the next episode's up polls we do a lot of fun stuff on our instagram so be sure to check that out follow like subscribe that's our instagram is slacking we need to have more subscribers let's do that so yeah, so our YouTube, like, subscribe, listen legally, um, turn on notification bell, all the good or stuff legally. on YouTube. Legally, all that good stuff. We're not here YouTube. to judge. Or legally. <laughs> I no, wanted to say legally. So like, so all that good stuff. But like, if you don't do it legally, like, that's okay too. Sure, that's okay too. Just don't tell us. Yeah, we don't want to know. This um, has been a sting operation. Alice has been condoning <laughs> illegal activities. <laughs> don't leave hate. Don't leave hate comments like our last commenters or like have sex comments. You don't want those either. So now, after that tomfoolery, let's close. As always, have a great week. Stay safe. Stay healthy in these trying times. But inauguration, so things are always looking up. I like to say, enjoy the pod and goodbye. goodbye!